In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Uh, as uh, Stewart said, my name is John Newton. I serve as Andy Doyle's Chief of Staff here in the Diocese of Texas. I'm so glad to be here this morning as your guest preacher. Um, and as Stuart was saying, I have a, a family that we sometimes attend St. Francis when we can, go to the early service because we have two young kids, one of whom is a month old. And uh, Stuart was marveling that I am awake this morning, uh, having a one-month-old. But I am awake because my life is filled with a great power uh, that energizes and animates my life. Uh, I'm not so much talking about the Holy Spirit as lots of Starbucks coffee. Um, And so I'm really glad to be here. Uh, A couple years ago, I bought a house in Austin, Texas. It was perfect except for one thing. It had a barren front yard. And after doing a little bit of research, uh, it dawned on me that planting grass would actually be really, really tough work. I'd have to loosen the ground and rake it into a thousand little furrows. The seed had to be scattered very evenly and very carefully. Uh, Then I'd have to put down wheat straw to hold in the moisture before watering, which, by the way, is also a science, not to much water or the seeds will wash away. But then again, if you don't use enough water, the seeds will never grow. Like I said, it was really, really tough work, which is why I never actually got around to planting grass. Uh, But I did learn a lot in theory about what makes for a careful farmer. A careful farmer is cautious and strategic. A careful farmer is diligent and methodical. A careful farmer is calculated and very, very selective. And so what on earth is Jesus doing in today's gospel by giving us a story about a farmer who, well, he just throws around seed like it's confetti on New Year's. On the path, the thorns, the rocky ground, the good soil, it doesn't matter. The farmer in Jesus' parable throws around seed indiscriminately. He is reckless. He's wasteful. He is anything but calculated, which is shocking, right? Because we all know that this sower represents God, which means that in today's gospel, Jesus compares his father to a reckless, wasteful, and uncalculated farmer. And so here's a question I think you and I need to ask this morning. What is Jesus trying to teach us here about the nature of God? And secondly, what is Jesus trying to tell us about what it means to be his disciple? Now, you may think you know where I'm going to go with this sermon. You might think that I'm going to exhort you to be the good soil, to not be hard-hearted and shallow and materialistic like the other bad soils. No, because you're a Christian, and so by God, let's all get it together, and let's be the good soil. After all, this is a parable, right? Whenever I was little and I went to Sunday school, I was taught that a parable, by definition, is a cute little story that teaches a moral lesson, that the purpose of a parable was to illustrate a well-known truth. And you know, had I been a little older and a tad wiser, I may have sued my Sunday school teacher for malpractice because Jesus did not tell parables to illustrate well-known truths. Jesus told parables to shatter well-known truths. 
You see, in Jesus' day, everyone was absolutely certain who it was that God favored. The right, the respectable, the religious, and the rule keepers. That was a well-known truth that everyone in Jesus' day just took for granted. In other words, people believed that God loved the lovely, that God blessed the good, that God invested only in the good soil. And to say that Jesus told this parable to confirm that belief would be to entirely miss the point. Because the God this parable reveals is not some careful, cautious, strategic, diligent, methodical, calculated, and selective farmer looking only for the best soil to love and invest in, Know that God, Jesus reveals, is just like the farmer in today's parable, reckless with his love, wasteful even, and in a terrific hurry to sow love wherever he can. On the path, the rocky ground, the good soil, it does not matter because the nature of God is to sow love everywhere. Don't you see, this is not a parable about good soil. No, it's a parable about an incredibly generous and good sower. And that's why before this parable speaks a word about how you and I should live, it screams volumes about who God is. It tells us that God is not cautious or strategic or calculated when it comes to sowing his love because God loves whenever we don't love back. And God blesses when we don't say thank you. And God sows into our life even when it is surrounded by thorns. And that, by the way, is what the grace of God is all about. Author Paul Zoll puts it like this. He writes, grace is the one-way love of God. It's a love that seeks you out when you have nothing to give in return. Grace is love coming at you that has nothing to do with you. It's being loved when you are unlovable. Grace is being loved when you are the opposite of lovable. And so here's a question I want us to consider this morning. Do we know? this one-way love of God in our own life, or is there a part of us that's still trying to hustle to earn God's approval, assuming that God loves only the good soil and that we better shape up a bit before God will be well-pleased with our life? And I ask this question because Jesus was under the impression that hearing the good news of the gospel and understanding it was half the battle of the Christian life. After all, the good soil in today's parable are not the ones who behave perfectly. They're people that hear the word and understand it. And to me, that's what's so incredibly counterintuitive about the grace of God. It's that people who exhibit true inner goodness are actually the ones who have learned that they don't need an ounce of inner goodness for God to love them. And so have we understood the reckless, uncalculated, and one-way love of God in each of our lives? Or do we believe in a God that favors us only when we're, quote, the good soil? Because the point of my sermon is that Jesus told this parable of the sower to demolish 
the idea of this second God. You see, the God that Jesus reveals loves to sow into the lives of thorny, rocky, and hard-hearted people. And I'll tell you why I know that. I know because the human race, who God loves so much that he sent his only beloved son to die, we are not 99%, but 100% made up of thorny, rocky, and hard-hearted people. And what Jesus understood is something that far too often we in the church forget, which is that only grace can dull the thorns, that only grace can smooth the rocks, that only grace can soften the heart. And so here's what that means for us as disciples of Jesus. It means that you and I are free to be as reckless with our love as God is with his. The God we worship is generous and he sows into our lives indiscriminately, the implication being that if we are serious about discipleship, we will do the same. I mean, I'm not sure if you noticed, but Matthew in today's gospel goes out of his way to tell us that such great crowds gathered around Jesus that he was actually forced to get into a boat to tell this parable. Jesus did not choose to get into the boat for dramatic effect. No, he had to get into that boat because the crowds were pressing in on him. That's how captivating he was as a person. And the very reason that the sinful and the stubborn, the lost and the lonely, the forgotten and the fearful all flocked to him. And so can you imagine just how exciting how transformative our churches would be if they poured into their community like the sower in today's parable, or how rich and joy-filled our lives would be if we love the people in our lives with the same reckless abandon with which God loves us. And I'm not naive. I know that it's a lot easier said than done. I do understand that because, as we all know, it is heartbreaking When our love falls on rocky, arid, or weed-infested ground, and it always hurts when the people we love don't love us back. But here's what I want to say about that. Is that not what Jesus did for us? Did he not offer words of blessing as the crowds mocked him? You see, if we are as reckless with our love as God is with his, it will break our heart from time to time. But you know what? It's also going to break that rocky shell that covers our heart so that the love that God is always pouring in can bear fruit. And so today I'm asking you to be intentional about sowing love everywhere. I assure you it will not return to you empty. Because today's parable ends by assuring us that the God we worship actually knows what he's doing, that all this sowing will reap a hundredfold. And of that, we can be certain. After all, the Christian gospel is not about many seeds being sown, but the gospel is about one seed in particular, about one seed who we believe embodied the fullness of God's nature and was buried deep beneath the earth only to be raised on that first Easter morning. And that seed, Jesus Christ risen from the dead, is our guarantee that God will never stop sowing his love into our lives and into this world. Because that is what the grace of God is all about.
the reckless, miraculous, uncalculated, one-way love of God. And it is people who hear about that love and understand it in the depth of their heart that bear fruit. You see, that's what's so incredibly ironic about grace. People who exhibit true inner goodness are the ones who have learned that they don't need an ounce of inner goodness for God to love them. And so God give us grace not just to hear this word, but to understand it. Amen.